from the Mona Lisa to NFTs, MySpace to the Metaverse, the worlds and your mind truly never stop evolving. Step off the emotional roller coaster of life for a few minutes. Sit back, relax, and enter the world of rebirth. Welcome to our 10th episode special. <laughs> You guys can't see it, but I got one of these little party blowers for the 10th episode special that we're running today, and uh, it doesn't work in any capacity. So everyone that's watching the video, you can see it, but anyone that, you can just hear this little and you know exactly what that is. But welcome back to the 10th episode special. Uh, air horns always make it so much funner. Welcome back to the NFT Marketing Podcast, where we talked about and break down marketing for NFT artists, and we're here on our 10th episode. I know I've said it a million times already, but I just wanted to reiterate that we have done 10 episodes. I mean, it may not feel like a big deal to you guys, but we're just really excited about making it to 10 episodes. This is my first... Well, this is my first kind of like extensive podcast, and this is this is both of our first podcasts, and we're just excited to, I guess, hit our first somewhat of a milestone, and we just wanted to take it as a bit of a time to step back, relax, and kind of just celebrate with you guys and kind of just share a bit more of our stories and be a bit more casual, kind of drop a little bit of the face of uh, the, the portrayers that we are on the podcast and kind of just tell you who we are, where we come from, and just kind of get to know each other as kind of... Uh, speaker and listener a little bit more so steve how are you doing today welcome welcome and yeah if it's you know 10 10 episodes in so if you're still listening or you are listening then then maybe you care so maybe this is real like i think that that's what's we're celebrating like to me this is like we actually are making something and we did it now so 10 in to me is like a series it means that we committed and hopefully the, the, the next number we celebrate that's proper celebration is I got another zero on the end, right? So, but, you know, thank you for being around with us, everybody. If you've been on from the start or if you're just getting with us now, then we're actually just starting to go from being terrible to being like a little bit better. And so pretty soon we're going to be amazing, but we've got a ways to go. Yeah, and for all of you devout listeners that are listening at this point, I'm just going to read off some stats about where we are currently. I've got our anchor page up here. I'm just going to kind of read you so you, you know exactly where we are on this date, which is April 5th, 2022. Uh, so our peak, our highest day for listens ever was March 16th, so about two weeks ago. Steve, how many plays do you think we got in one day? One whole day? Yeah. Probably at least... 14. We got 39 plays on March 16th, and that was our best day, which honestly sounds that's pretty, pretty crazy good. I mean, that's amazing. 39. That's, that's, I mean, that's more than I really thought we would. We have uh, 23 estimated unique listeners, uh, and our all time, what do you think our all time total plays over all of our episodes over the past month or so that we've been running this? Let's go with 300. Oh, okay, Steve. You're getting a bit ambitious there. Our all-time total plays are at 151, so we're not quite. Well, we got work to do. We're not quite at the not quite at the 300, but maybe after the 10th episode special, we'll get there to 300. It's hard so, to listen to a whole podcast, so I feel for people. I'm sure it would have been 300, but you know, they all, you know, a lot of them had to stop for whatever reasons. But you know, but people listening done, today. We've done so well at trying to make them short, bite-sized pieces of content, but yeah. <laughs> so thank you all, all 23 of you for continuing to listen. And on that one day, all 40, 
different listens. Uh, I just wanted to say we really appreciate it. So I got a fun little game. I was going to thank you, Reese, for setting up 21 extra accounts on Facebook. <laughs> Steve, don't out me like that. Let me let me fake. You can't do that to my ego on this short short notice. Let me get prepared. But just starting us off, we're going to do a few rapid fire questions. I got a random question generator up here. So we're just going to pop off. Uh, we're going to do three, three, maybe five questions. And then we're going to kind of run into a kind of a quick bio story of on, on each me and Steve. We're going to kind of give a quick Coles notes of who we are and how we got to where we are and any fun anecdotes or random stuff that uh, we can re- redact on the way. So our first random question is... What has been your biggest financial mistake? Wow, that's a one thing it started on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you go first there. You're I know, you're exactly. less of them. <laughs> this one's really on topic. I'd love to do an episode about this. My biggest financial is, it, mistake is listening to other people and going to post-secondary education. For those people yeah. that don't know, I <laughs> was very reluctant to go, but I was some... I mean, not overly pressured. I did... It was ultimately my decision, but my... I, the long and short of it, I went for one year and it cost me 15 grand that I paid for completely myself. Ouch. Uh, so for anyone that's wondering, film school is not worth it and it's way too expensive. Like all of my super academic school intense friends were going to like intense like physics and science courses and they were paying like maybe four grand for an entire year. And I was uh, paying triple that for an education that was very outdated and not too great. So, and the funny part about that is I didn't even take the required English and like other academic courses to even pass first year. So I, I know was, anybody, anybody who, anybody who's re, re, read any of your posts will know that by the grammatical errors. Oh yeah. That was, that's why I chose to not take the English. I was like, I didn't go to film school to take another English course. So I'm just like, I'm not doing it. So I paid 15 grand to go to a post-secondary with no intention of completing it in Eddie's form of way that would be last past <laughs> that year. And then, and then COVID hit and cut the year short and they just shifted everything online and basically what happened is i i intentionally chose to take lesser roles on all of the projects leading up to the final project because you're only allowed to like be director or like big guy mm-hmm. like once and i was saving that to the last project and since i, I did that and i like i i I stayed, I I not raised my hand the entire year, letting other people go. And then the final project comes and I'm like, I would like to do it. And everyone is kind of just like, yes, that is who we want to be DOP and like handle the camera work for all like the project. And then right after we settle that COVID hits and it's all (laughs) gone. So I basically did nothing the entire year, but you know, we're here now and we're, we're, we're doing a great time and everything is working. You know what? Out, it's, so. it's a tough one because I came the other way. I went to post-secondary for almost eight years for what? like, and I, you, here's the irony. I didn't get a degree. All I got was some diploma, but I got a, a really fancy portfolio, right? And I, I came up in a time where there was no degrees for illustration. And I took a, a, like one of the illustration programs that just gave you a really kick-ass education. Yeah. And then to get into that, I had to take another program and another program. So I, I spent like literally almost eight years in university and I didn't even like you could I could have been a doctor. But instead, I just became an artist. Like what a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 
and, and, and all I was good at was painting at the end of it, like I end design and marketing. But I mean, at the time, it just seemed like an absolute failure. But now when I look back, it was the best thing I did because I learned life's experiences and I had a space to grow and to play. Right. And I think that's the best thing education gives you is, is mm. just freedom to make mistakes. 100%. But I also think with, with Google and all these other businesses that offer education, like you don't need to go to post-secondary. You can get it from a Google certificate. Unless and, you're and trying to a, be a doctor. Totally. Or like an architect where you need people need a certain, you know, license. But if you don't need a license, I, I know as, as somebody that hired lots of people or still does, I would rather see somebody that had a Google certificate than like a university of you know, whatever degree in it, because what does that mean, right? Well, they know how to write a paper. 100%. So that, that's my, I guess, biggest financial mistake wow. to date. Uh, we'll see if, like, something changes. Uh, if, if you're good with that one, Only we'll 15 roll. grand, though. For one year. For, like, one... Yeah, that's like, good. You can, let's see if I can make a bigger financial mistake than that. So um, I, I guess probably... Um, uh, let's think about, well, I haven't been divorced, so that's a good one, I guess, because that's, that could be, that's definitely a, a lot of people's number one, I think, but yeah, uh, for me, expensive. but I'm fortunate to really have a, a wonderful, supportive wife, but I would say the biggest mistake that I made was in, uh, was never buying Bitcoin at six dollars. <laughs> and I, fair. and I knew it was something and I f totally, I had like, I think I had like did you money hear, to invest. Were you like aware about it back in like 2012? Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, because okay. I was into like IT and all that. And people were, I knew some people that were buying it. And I remember watching it for pennies and then dollars and then thinking like I could understand it from a black market point of view. And I saw it, but I was just. I bought an, a sports car instead. So that was my <laughs> biggest mistake is I bought an exotic sports car rather than a And which one Bitcoin. was it? This was the NSX? Yeah. But I that was also one of my prime, like, favorite things I've, I've done, like, as a mm -hmm. purchase. It was a, an experience, but, yeah, could have been a lot of... I wouldn't be talking on this podcast. I wouldn't need to. I'd be off in the you know island somewhere on a yacht. You'd be on the moon, Steve. If you, if you bought Bitcoin back in two, 2012, you'd I be know. on the moon. That's crazy. To even like be in a place where you could have done that. Running into our second random question. Here we go. What do you know how to do that is completely useless? No well, use I got a good one here. I got a good one here. So when I was in university for many years, I worked at the, the uh, restaurant, the Keg Steakhouse, and I, I worked my way up from dishwasher to bartender to whatever, and I did flair bartending. So <laughs> if anybody, any of the old people out here know, uh, know of um, the movie Cocktail um, with Tom Cruise, well, the guy that trained him is a world-famous bartender who lives in Vancouver named Scott Young who has a program, and I, used to, I took his mentorship program. So I used to practice in my backyard for like five hours a day, uh, flipping bottles, and then go into the bar and like bartending and flipping bottles. That is, that's really funny. Cause it, I mean, my brother did a decent bit of that and I can just see he spent so much time on it and like he bought like all these specialty practice bottles and all these <laughs> other one. things. I used to have one, yeah, it's fun. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just funny. It's just watching him like in the garage, like trying to throw <laughs> these fake brandy bottles, and just like one would like fall and hit him on the shoulder. <laughs> not not the most useful skill. In hey, here's the life. funny thing. It relates to yours. Is I spent thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars in for education for that. So like. <laughs> Uh, $1,500 for a flair bartending certification. I'm trying to think what skills I have or what's something I know what to do that's completely useless. I'm having a tough time with this one. You're just too useful. I guess or I'm you just, just too don't useful. do anything special. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it might be more so the second one. I mean, I guess somewhat pivoting off of your point of like freestyle bartending uh i guess a skill that i won't really have to use too often is i'm I'm a pretty avid longboarder uh but not like the downhill longboarding that goes really fast and you handle your speed and you get places from a to b really quickly i i'm like i i, I do freestyle longboarding so like you know that like that <laughs> longboard dancing that you see on like korean girls doing on like tiktok yeah that's what i do half the summer so <laughs> Being I could just to, imagine you were. I could just imagine you and White Rock there on the beach. <laughs> yeah, but it just like me that's just definitely like, useless. So that qualifies. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk it up and down to be able to do pirouettes on a longboard. I guess that's not the most useful skill. <laughs> no, not unless you're in the circus. But uh, no, no, I've I've thought about going running away to the circus a couple times, but I've, I've never actually quite done it. All right, going into our third random question. What do we got here? Uh, oh, that one's complicated. Uh, all right, we'll see if we can find something for this one. What is a restaurant you refuse to eat at and why? Oh, this is a good one. I got something for this. <laughs> well, I've got health problems. That's a big part of my life is autoimmune. So fortunately, I don't get to eat out at much, eat much restaurants. So anything that doesn't, that has stuff that I, that I can't eat, which is most places. Do you life go to, sucks. do you, you eat out anywhere though? <laughs> Just like sushi and places that, mainly sushi. I can eat some of that food. You kind of get... People that have autoimmune problems, sometimes we have very strict diets, and so we get used to very specific routines in order to be able to get up in the morning in a consistent manner. So you don't really <laughs> take chances with things that you really are, it's not worth it. For sure, for sure. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm also in a, in a somewhat similar boat. I have a, I have a wheat and a dairy, dairy allergy that kind of rules my entire life. And I guess this is a fun, I guess, welcome to my world. Uh, me and Steve both have things that if we eat food, <laughs> will to completely destroy us as human beings. <laughs> so uh, one restaurant I completely refuse to eat at, like, I will go along to places or, like, I, I don't choose to eat out ever. It's never my choice. Uh, I always choose to cook or do something for myself, but... I'll, I'll eat up at restaurants randomly, but it's always like Steve said. It's a it's a hassle. It is not worth it because you, you you have to pay. So to this do is it, a boring just, answer. So next question, I'm please. Getting, no, I have it. I have it. So <laughs> just, so I, I I refuse to ever go to McDonald's though. 
because but who doesn't anybody with I shouldn't say that I don't want to judge anybody so we're not going to judge people today so you're more than welcome to go to McDonald's we still love you if it doesn't destroy you but I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a story about McDonald's so I, I, I went to McDonald's a bunch as kind of like a little kid and then when I grew up I kind of didn't go for a long time and I didn't like come to terms with my allergies being a real thing till I was 18 years old until I went to this McDonald's and basically what happened was I took my girlfriend, my then girlfriend there for a, like a one year anniversary and set up like this whole thing in there. <laughs> wow, that's so beautiful. A one yeah. year at McDonald's. I know She's it was so cheesy lucky as fuck. to be with you. Wow. And then so we bought like everything. We spent like $50 on McDonald's food <laughs> and I just ate Every possible thing, like milkshakes, burgers, fries, like literally everything you could order on the menu. And then the next day we went to like this uh, school trip and my brain went completely catatonic. And I had like such a bad reaction to completely over-indexing on the worst food I could ever have for my allergies <laughs> that it basically just sent me into complete mental breakdown for like two and a half days and uh, that traumatizing experience has now made me never want to go back to McDonald's so <laughs> there you go or I, I just think you should learn better than taking your girlfriend for a, a first anniversary to McDonald's like yeah, that's know, just the, the the universe looking down on you yeah, I, I just, I, I do those, I don't know, it's, I, just, I just try to be ironic, you know? I just try I to guess, be ironic. Yeah. That's all, that's all I can today. do here. Awesome. So those were three uh, questions. Steve, how are you feeling? you want to run into some stories or you want to run into another question? Well, it depends if they're as enticing, as excited as that last one. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll tap through a few of these real quick. <laughs> All right, nothing super cool. So we're just going to run into, I guess, some quick stories. Uh, I'll just run into, kind of start off with myself, just giving a quick bio of... Uh, Why don't I ask you a question, a random question, and you ask me a random question? All right, all right. I have and to just think like, for just, that one. We'll just, Is this where we have to prove our creativity? No, you know, I'll just... No, no, we just look at each other and think of some stupid thing, right? Like, so, all right, go for um, it. What motivates you to, like like put everything into the way you like your outfits and your expression of clothing. Cause I think it's super unique and like what inspires you to do that? Uh, well that's somewhat of a, it's a multi-layer answer that kind of gets into some more deeper things, but like, where do you it, look, where do you go shopping? Help put it another way. Where do you go shopping for that your is clothes? A good question. I can answer that one very simply. Well, just to give people context, I'm currently wearing a very rainbow ish sweater. That is like a wool knit that is too itchy to be worn by itself. So you have <laughs> to wear a shirt underneath it or else it completely destroys your skin. But I shop exclusively at, uh, thrift stores and primarily value village I, I i don't buy anything from retail almost in any facet of my life just because i just don't especially for clothing i, I don't want to be seen or don't want to choose what anyone else might be choosing so i and i find joy in choosing something that someone else has discarded and chosen that said that wasn't good enough to find like something that. unique in there and be like no one else could ever have this because it's, this is what someone was getting rid of and then I find it and then it's like that is I'm gonna find a new way it, it just feels like more creative it, it's an active hobby is my me dressing it's like how you paint is you find something and you use it in a way that's that's how I 
use thrifting in clothes. Like I go in there, I find my materials, and then my painting is every morning when I spend my sometimes much longer than 10 minutes putting together an elaborate outfit that makes me feel good. <laughs> I for think the that's day. amazing because when one day when you have kids, you'll never be able to do that again. So it's amazing. Is that how and it it's works, also Steve? amazing? I've always wondered about that. I don't know. I used to dress nicely. Uh, now I look homeless. So I don't know. I don't know what happens there. Might have been COVID too. But the other thing that's amazing is because you're small, you can fit into women's medium. So you could get the choice of everything, right? So you know what? I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't hide from the fact that mo- most of the most interesting clothes that I get the most compliments on are all like women's clothing that I find. Totally. That are just, like extravagant <laughs> shirts that I have no business wearing. But people seem to really like them. And it was I know your secrets. Just, I guess I knew them. I just, the, the more outrageous I would dress, the more people would compliment me and like what I'd wear. So I kind of, it kind of just kept on rolling in that vein. And it's just become a habit. All right. My question term for you. Uh, I've always wondered is this, as someone that is still struggling to grow a full beard, can you grow a full beard or do you just choose not to? I'm just so vengeful of people that can and don't want to. Like we have a few people at work that like can grow full beards, but just don't have one. And it just bugs me. So I did try one in COVID. I, I went as far as I could. And I realized in order to make it have substance and, and, and actually like street cred, because I feel like if you're going to have a real beard, you need street, it needs to have street cred. It, it, I needed to dye it or put mascara in it. And I wasn't really ready to do that. So that's why I just keep it shorter because I also am lazy. So if I go back to like just the clean cut cut, then I feel like I'd have to start ironing my clothes again. And then I just all spirals out of control. 100%. Okay. I, I like that answer because I'm, I'm on like two and a half, three months of not touching anything. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm struggling for every inch of hair I can get out of my face. All right. So running into, I guess, another question, uh, I guess, just kind of, I'd love to break down the each kind of like the somewhat the three stages of, I guess, our creative journeys through life, somewhat like our childhood, kind of like teenage and adolescence, and then kind of like adulthood career to like how we got here. Like what, like in the Coles notes, like what were those three stages like, if you could define those in any way? Totally. Yes. Ooh. This one gets dark. This is where it all gets dark and it started, right? So I, I was, I think, fortunate to be one of those kids that excelled at drawing and create, and not, not having been really coached at it, I just had access to tools. And so my first memory is actually two and a half years old of drawing something. Uh, it was a pickup truck. And um, I actually remember it very vividly and how, like, I think at, looking back with my kids being that age, like, the the representation of the image was quite astonishing probably for my parents. Um, and then from my, my kind of days on in, you know, in, um, grade four, I designed my school logo, we had a logo contest. So I designed the school logo in grade four. Oh, wow. And then in grade, I think grade nine, I designed my other school logo. So I kind of just happened to design logos for the schools. I guess <laughs> that was my first job was a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of my creativity was always 
kind of just intuitively and I drew I was the kid that drew so like there was always the one kid that drew that was me and I would just sit in the class all day drawing pictures like hundreds and hundreds of photos every day and I would just give them to people so somebody would say hey I want a drawing of the teacher with with you know dragon ears like breathing fire down the neck and I would draw that and give it to them and then the teacher would get mad at them <laughs> and me and they would just think it was funny and then I would just like that was my childhood and then um from that, um, I guess my, my creativity kind of coincided with my health, I think, too. Um, when I graduated high school, I also, that's when I got sick and I had an autoimmune disease. And so my question of mortality and life and everything kind of came, hit me full, full force. And um, I was fortunate to have... Um, creativity in my life and something to fall back on. And so, as I mentioned, I was going to university at the time. Before that, actually, I, it, when I was in high school, I, I, I um, did a lot of 3D animation. And so I thought I wanted to be an animator. So mm -hmm. I went to Hollywood in, um, and, and interned at an animation studio when I graduated. My parents gave me a one-way ticket to LA uh, oh, or wow. to Hollywood. And, and I realized very quickly that I didn't like that because it was very monotonous and I wanted more control of the, of the image. And so I came back and I decided I just wanted to work in a studio, but I didn't want it to be animation. And then I got really sick and I got into university and just kind of worked my way through the programs from design to art um, to marketing and illustration was kind of my major was illustration because it was practical, but it was creative. Mm -hmm. And then when I graduated high, uh, university, I, th I got representation at a, at a gallery. And I was doing these like colorful landscape paintings. And I thought I was going to just, you know, be able to just move out and get a, you know, start my life. Everything would be wonderful, right? And I did that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, nothing happened. I can, I, I, nothing sold <laughs> one month, two months. I was like broke. I was living at my parents' house, and then I. Um, you thought it I was going to all change, and then it didn't. I was so naive. I thought if if you were like the best painter in the, actually, I should take a half a step back. Is that like, like I wasn't just some guy painting too. Like I had devoted, like a decade at this point of like probably hundred to hundred and twenty hours a week of painting, and so I would paint like at least 12, 14 hours a day of every single day, every weekend, every oh my day. God. And all I did was, was paint. And I, um, my last year of university, we went to New York for a, uh, this like amazing trip to go meet some of our, our heroes in the design world and also study a lot of the great art. And I was able to do that. And I saw my, my own thought process in the works of the, my, my heroes. And I had this, um, this like real epiphany one night when I was in this concert, I, I, we were at this concert in, in uh, Brooklyn underground and it was like a loud, noisy concert. And, um, the whole place just went quiet. It was just like, whoo, just all of a sudden. And, and this voice said to me, Steve, if you're going to do this, this is your chance. Like, you know, you're young, you have all the opportunity and privilege in the world. Like this is your, this is, you can do this, but like, if you don't do it right now, it's over. And so, I came back with that mindset and um, and then like I said, I graduated and I was painting what I thought were like amazing paintings, which in hindsight were just good paintings. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I recognized, wait a second, it's way more complicated than this, holy crap. 
Awesome. And then it takes me to like, yeah, like the, then the next chapter is like, what am I going to do? <laughs> That's the hardest one, I think, because like, I, I think that the nice thing about being in university for that long is you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like you can pretend like you're whatever you want to be. I can be I can There's be always a, like a next step. There's the assurance that like, you know what you're doing next semester or next year. Or that it's not over. Like, there's no reality because there's mm-hmm. no, f- the, you know, there's no requirement to make ends meet, right? And so, like, we all know once we actually have bills to pay, like, the, the world doesn't care how you make the money. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, it kind and of so, prolongs that. And so when, when I got out of that, I realized I needed a job in marketing or I needed to understand kind of how to better market myself. And I also had a background in marketing and design, so I was able to apply at an advertising agency. And I started off with a, a junior graphic designer, and it was funny, you just like make stuff graphically, you get paid like, you know, 25 bucks an hour to like design stuff, which when you come from being like ass poor, like trying to hustle paintings on like the side of the road <laughs> to making like 25 bucks an hour to like work on Photoshop, it's like, hey, this isn't so bad. And so I did that during the day and at night I'd come home and I'd paint. And I was like, I can't give up on the art, but I got to kind of make money. And then I did that for, for pro- I worked my way through the ranks because I knew I didn't want to be a graphic designer. I wanted to be a, a successful artist. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do that by just being a designer. So I needed to learn all the skill sets. So the, not just design, but the marketing, how to deal with people, account management. Um, and what happened, the weirdest thing happens, and this is kind of a, like, I think a lesson for any young creatives working in an agency. And I always tell them that I've mentored is that make yourself so indispensable and ingrained with the business that they can't let go of you, you know? And so what ended up happening is as the business evolved, I kept becoming that point of contact, the first point of contact, the only point of contact. They don't want to deal with anybody. You know, I would go, I would be sick and they would be upset. We're like, oh, we only want to work with Steve, you know? So what ended up happening is the owner was getting ready to retire and he basically gave me the business. He said, I want you to take it over. Uh, because you are the business. And mm-hmm. um, so I worked towards that uh, for a couple of, it was a three-year exit plan, and I was about halfway through that. And my art had started to um, take off more where I had opportunities, and the only thing that was stopping me from having those opportunities was my time at work. And I also knew there was no way I could own an agency full on. I could be a partner, but I couldn't own it and be 100% responsible if I also had an art business. And so I, I, the hardest thing I ever had to do was, was walk away from that and just say, like, see you later. And then I remember, because like about three or four days later, we, I was in my studio painting, and my wife calls me, and she goes, hey, just want to let you know I'm pregnant. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Wow, that's, that's going to be a crazy time in your life. Because I was so excited. We, it, was, it was unfortunate because that's all we wanted. Like I was to be a father. And then now there was this whole, holy crap reality to it. And so it just, you know, forced you to really get down to work. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to accomplish something before I had kids so that my intention would never be, were able to be towards them as I grew older, right? And I think having established that kind of identity and that making that reality, 
I was able to kind of transition to parenthood and not be chasing something that I, that I didn't have. And so I think that that's the biggest advice I can give people is like, do it now while you're young, because once you have kids, like you literally won't have time for it to start. Like you have time for things, but to start everything is just, it's just so much. Like I think about this project that we're working on, this NFT project, um, or even this podcast, like I would have nothing to talk about on this podcast had I not spent the last 20 years making art, right? Mm -hmm. So I could, I could talk about it in 20 years if I started making art today. As a parent, you know, I don't have as much time, but I probably could in 10 or 20 years be relevant. But having spent that time when I was younger, now I can put that energy to, to use and not have to build it all from scratch. 100%. Wow. What a story. It's, it, I always love, I, as many times as I know, you've told me your story, I always enjoy hearing it again and kind of picking out the new details that I hadn't heard before, like the uh, 3D modeling going to LA and the, the New York parts are always really interesting. Uh, we got uh, just a couple minutes left on this episode here, so I'm just going to run into a... Uh, Let's hear your story. Who cares my about story me? I want to hear about your story. My story because my story is still kicking off, but I'll just run into the quick Coles notes of how Reese Sitter became who he is today, and uh, he's still he's, we're still very much in production. Amateur human hours at the moment, but... I want to hear about your child acting, if I can ask something Well, I wasn't that. fully a child actor. That's kind of the middle stage. So uh, starting really young, I, I was into drawing like Steve was, but... I was never good at it. My friends were always way better, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it I really, my big passions were mostly playing with Legos and Minecraft, just simple things that you could just stack together. There's a process. You just click, 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 and then you build something. I spent hundreds and thousands of hours between two of those hobbies, Legos and Minecraft, and I, I think it was the most... I just spent, for most of my childhood, and that was basically all I did. And then that kind of gave me somewhat of a creative foundation that I realized in high school that I just committed everything to my arts courses, all based off of uh, one YouTube creator that changed my life, and I'm assuming he changed everyone else's, was Casey Neistat. I watched his content all throughout high school, and in grade 10, I made the ultimate decision to commit that this was going to be my life direction to do something and live that lifestyle of being a full-time creator. And then I just went in, I took the least amount of academic courses, committed every possible thing course in high school, which was actually quite a bit, to finding creative solutions, taking film classes, taking acting classes, taking every extracurricular play, doing competitions, doing side projects and that I could, and volunteering on sets and movie sets and everything for the rest of high school for the last kind of like three years. And that basically put me into somewhat where I am the next stage of that, which is getting out of high school, is you just get a job at a camp. I got a, a job at a school photography business where I was kind of just clicking portraits. And I was like, man, I, I got out of high school two months later. I'm back in schools, but I'm full time making a living wage doing photography. I was like, man, I've made it. And then like and next year I was working at a camera store full time. I was like, man working full-time next to cameras i've made it and then now here jumping another year ahead working full-time or i guess two years ahead jump working full-time at, at like doing content and creating for like this like for organizations like man i've made it so i might know i guess always kind of feeling like that and i'm just excited to see what comes next so that's somewhat my story but we have less than a minute wrapping in on this 
10th episode special. We're running in at our 40-minute time limit for these. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for watching. That's a quick story on me. That's a quick story on Steve. We thank you so much for looking, sitting into this 10th episode. I know it's a bit of a longer one, but we just wanted to have some fun, relax, and do something that was a bit special. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and well, welcome, and, you know, this is the start of something real, you know, 10 times, 10, 10th in, we're committed, and we're uh, looking forward to taking this to 100. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Have a great day, everybody.